Welcome back to Making Conversations Count with me, Wendy Harris, your host and telemarketing trainer. We always want to bring you super cool guests, so we're happy to have yet another conversational queen join us on the show today. What's new, Wendy Wu? Well, Ian had to write in and say that he really enjoyed listening to Gary's episode on the ways of sales. He even had to look up what ways meant. So I'm really glad that that intrigued you enough to find out a little bit more about the ways of the working mind. Now, because we've got Lorraine talking to us about our digital toolbox, thought it was pertinent to say that when it comes to making calls yourself and doing the telemarketing activity in your business, it's really good to have the end in mind and think about breaking down those individual steps that you are going to need to be successful when you do pick up the telephone. If you'd like to learn more, you can always book a chat with me and I will be more than happy to help you out. But let's get back to Lorraine. We've got Lorraine Ball making conversations about your digital toolbox count. Together, we reflect on the lessons that we've learned from running our own businesses, the additional skills we need to get good at, and the distractions that we allow ourselves to time suck. The balloons we have floated above our head you're going to have to listen for that to make sense. But what has the last couple of years taught us most? To value your network and keep in touch with the people, not just the businesses. When we have movers and shakers, we have double the opportunity. Pets at work? Well, what's your take? We personally endorse it wherever is practical and would love to see pictures of your office pets. Let's get back to making conversations count with Lorraine. You're the digital toolbox lady. (laughs) And when it comes to digital and marketing, there are so many places that we have to be. Well, and so I'm going to tell you that you don't have to be in all of them. That's a lot of the messages Instead of, oh my God, I have to be everywhere and I have to do all these things. No, you have to do a few things well. Yes. And really figure that out. And the rest of it, get a good automation tool so you just show up occasionally. So you're at least people see you there. But the truth is some platforms are going to work better for you than others. The one that kills me is right now, Facebook is really working for me and I hate Facebook. And I want... (laughs) Oh, damn. (laughs) I want to give myself permission to not be as active there. And I can't because it's what's working. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? And I mean, for me, I'm very much a B2B lady. So LinkedIn is kind of where I want to hang out. So I stay there and that's great. But the community thing, it just doesn't happen in the same way as you can do on Facebook? Well, I like the changes that LinkedIn has made. I like the whole creator account. And there are ways using messaging and stuff to create a little bit more of a community. And it's not exactly the same as Facebook, but you can work it. Yeah. And I think this is kind of where 
you have to decide where you need to show up and why. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. certainly my podcast has taken me to platforms that I've never, you know, sort of (laughs) spent time on before because that wasn't what was needed for me Mm -hmm. in my day to day of doing my role. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Instagram and Twitter and YouTube are great places to to be when it comes to talking about the podcast. I mean, certainly for me, my marketing has changed almost 360 Mm -hmm. to the point where I have to go, where does this start again? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I don't want them to end up. Well, and, and then on top of all of the rest of it, let's overlay the pandemic. Let's overlay the last 18 oh, months. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because a big part of my plans for this decade, let's say, were to do more face-to-face training again, because that's what I really love. I love getting up in front of a room and, to, and talking to people. And I had done a conference in 2018 where I had organized it. It actually had worked really well. We took 19 off and we were going to come back in 20, right? We tempted fate, didn't we, Lorraine? We did. So, you know, you make a lot of changes. And fortunately, I had been doing online training before this started. It was a sideline. And all of a sudden it was like, well, that's kind of my thing right now. I was talking to a lead in construction yesterday and it just turns out that, you know, he's been a good drinking buddy for a long Mm. time. And then I realized what he did and I was like, I need to pick your brains, you know. And so I was having a chat with him and he was saying that they've had their best time ever in business financially. Mm. And I'm hearing the extremes of this is that the Mm. financial rewards have really been there. However, it has been purely off the back of existing networks that breaking into new stuff has been really, really hard Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that face-to-face interaction, you know, going to networking and just striking up a conversation out of the blue. And I kind of get it. So what would your advice be for those kinds of industries that have relied on that and are missing that at the moment? Well, it is going to be something that they probably hate because I did a lot of work. I came out of the home service industry. So plumbing, heating and air conditioning, roofing, that's kind of my thing. And joining a couple of Zoom networks, you're probably a member of the Chamber of Commerce and they are probably having a Zoom networking event and go. And the other thing that I found really effective during the last 18 months is open up your phone book, pull out that draw of all of those business cards that you've collected over the years and randomly pick a few and call and check in. And now at least we're at a place here where you can go and have a cup of coffee. It was easier this summer when I could say, hey, meet me at this outdoor cafe. But I'll I'll still do some indoor coffees. But just reconnect because the truth is, just like, you know, when you would go to a networking event and you were afraid to approach somebody, the truth was they were afraid to, they were shy about approaching you. And so that same rule applies now. You pick up the telephone and nine times out of 10, the person is going to be... It's so nice to hear from you. Thank you for calling. What's going on? Yeah. And just to say, hey, I'm just 
reconnecting. We haven't seen each other at, at the chamber. We haven't seen each other at the Rotary Club. I want to know what's going on in your business. And those conversations are invaluable. You know, one of the, my favorite stories was I'd been getting a, a lot of business from a referral source and it had kind of dried up and he hadn't really noticed because he was very busy with everything else. Well, he picks up the phone and he calls the guy and the guy says, well, you know, I sold my business. And he's like, okay, well, that's why I'm not getting any referrals from you. And before they hung up, he said, will you introduce me to the guy who bought your business? And so that became a new relationship. It was an old relationship. It became a new relationship. But if he hadn't made the phone call, the new buyer would have found a totally different partner for his services, and he would have completely lost that referral source. It's interesting that you mentioned that, Lorraine, because that's something that I hear a lot of within business owners is that you say to them, how up to date is your data? And, mm-hmm. and they they hate that question because yeah. they like to think that they're in touch with everybody and they know everything about everybody. But like you say, things do change very quickly. Mm-hmm. And certainly the last 18 months have shown mm-hmm. us is that people's motives for being in a role mm-hmm. have changed. There's been lots of moving and shaking going on. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, So, you know, that one phone call, if somebody has moved, means that you can introduce yourself to the new person and explain the relationship you had before. But it also gives you an excuse to track them down at where they are now. So in actual fact, you've got double the opportunity. Absolutely. And I'm going to give you the digital alternative to that. If you have an email list and you're sending out an email newsletter and you send it out every week or every month or whatever, look at your bounces. Look at the emails that come back and you're like, undeliverable, suspended. I've known Mary for 10 years. Mary's been in that job. Now you're like, okay, why is Mary's email bouncing? So now you call the company or you send Mary a note and you find out Mary has moved on. But if you weren't watching your bounces, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know who replaced Mary. You wouldn't know where Mary went. And the other trick of that is set up the alerts in LinkedIn so that every time someone gets promoted or changes jobs, you get notified. Yeah. Those notifications are great. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. And I'm old. So I have years and years years (laughs) of contacts. You know, I mean, I have people I worked with 30 years ago and I'm connected to them on LinkedIn. I just see that you've got a new job. Congratulations. You know, and especially a lot of the very, you know, at this point in my career, a lot of the very young people that I trained when I was first coming up, they're senior managers now. Hey, how's it going? What's going on? Last time we talked, I mean, you know, it's been years and years and years, but what's going on? And that's another really good thing to do, especially if it gets a little quiet or a little slow. I don't think that anybody has an excuse to not be having conversations on a daily basis. Mm -mm. We can wag our fingers at them, Lorraine. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, and I think that's, you know, that's one of the things I've loved about the podcast is because I'm not getting a lot of business per se from these conversations, but I'm meeting wonderful, interesting people, new ideas that keeps everything kind of a little fresh and 
you know, every now and then something pops up as a result of it, but it's really just creating a structured way to get out and talk to people. I really enjoy the meeting new people. Certainly, I'm talking to people that I never would have dreamt that I could have gotten into my calendar for a conversation, let alone to then to be helping and supporting me with the podcast, because it's a mutually beneficial thing, isn't it? You know, the guests get to sort of share their expertise and things like that. But the best part of it is the mentorship that you get from your guests, because that sharing of your experiences means that you get a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I'm in sales and marketing and I've had quite a few guests in that arena, but they mm-hmm. never fail to connect with the audience listening because there's always a tip or a trick or a perspective and an idea that they go, do you know, I couldn't try that, but I could see myself doing that. I love just the way that people approach things. And, you know, I've had a lot of marketing people and you start to think, okay, again, like you said, oh, there's nothing new. And then it's like someone comes along and says something and you're like, I have never thought about that. All these years that I've been doing this, I never thought about it quite that way. And it's great. Are you a budding entrepreneur or just starting out? Well, maybe this podcast is just for you. I'm Anna Flockett, editor of Startups Magazine, and our podcast, The Serial Entrepreneur, brings you stories, journeys, and lessons from some of the most inspirational startups and business founders out there. Talking to these innovative startups, we delve deep into some of the challenges they face, lessons they've learned along the way, with a sprinkling of inspirational advice. You can find us by searching The Serial Entrepreneur, as in your breakfast cereal, into any streaming service or by going to startupsmagazine.co.uk. So in your day-to-day role then, Lorraine, with your digital toolbox, what's the sort of common challenges that you're finding? Let's leave COVID aside and, you know, there's got to be some common ground that people are feeling at the moment. I ran a digital agency for 19 years. This was a spin-off, And so when I sold the agency, I'm really starting Uh, Not quite ground zero, but ground zero. I have my network, which is invaluable, but I am starting a new business. So in a lot of ways, breaking through the clutter, figuring out what I need to rise above the noise, because there is so much noise. And it is uh, that constant well, that was working. Why isn't it working now? And dealing with the fact that things um, change much faster on social media. You know, the last time I started a business 20 years ago, there was no Facebook. There was no Twitter or LinkedIn or Instagram, which for today's audience is, well, how'd you ever make a sale? And that all made sense to me. So now, you know, trying to come back and do it again and recognizing that on the positive side, there are all these fabulous tools. And on the other side, there's all these people using all these fabulous tools. I think that constant fight to break through and also the reality that 
what worked last month may not be working this month. So there's that constant need to be monitoring and checking and going, okay, what the heck happened to my Pinterest? Why did it tank? You know, it was doing great and now it's not. Did I change? No. No, they changed. They changed the algorithm. Yes, it's yes. they want business page, they want ads now. They're not gonna yeah. use. They mm-hmm. were just tempting and baiting you with those figures to say this is how many impressions you've had, and then take it all away from you and you go, Oh, I've got to pay for it now. Yeah, you know, Facebook did that. You know, you're sitting there and you're thinking, Well, do I want to go down that road again? And you just kind of have to keep working it. But I think that's probably the biggest challenge is the amount of noise in the space and the sort of changing landscape that really does change, even without the pandemic, that shifting landscape of, well, this worked last month. It's not working now. What do I do differently? Yeah, it's not always easy to be able to uncover the reasonings behind Mm -hmm. things either, is it? Because algorithms are so closely guarded Mm -hmm. that test and measure you've got to kind of just you've got to be aware of it I think Mm -hmm. as well there's something to be said I think for us being brilliant in our business and doing our business Mm -hmm. that we also have to have these other skills that come unnaturally to us (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah Uh, well or you know so for somebody like me i was a career marketer that's my background that's my education i've taught it my problem is sometimes i think i spend too much time on the marketing and i think that's the other trap that a lot of business owners fall into because it's fun and all of a sudden you're like okay i just spent half a day what what did i do and so i think it's the balance And I think, as you said, that idea that you have to play against your strengths sometimes. Oh, God, I don't really want to write that or I I don't want to have to do the programming. I'm going to have to spend the time and do that now because that's what's really going to create the value. That's what's going to make the difference. For me, I can often have nothing to say for days. And then like last night, I was up and woken several times with lots of different content ideas. Mm-hmm. And you go, well, I can't just throw all of this out in one day. And it's been mm-hmm. able to hold it back. And then sometimes it doesn't have the same power if you mm-hmm. don't unleash it. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot to be said for just do it. Mm-hmm. I think you also hit the nail on the head when you're inspired, batch it do a couple in batches. I find that if I'm jumping around and jumping around and jumping around, I don't really feel like I get anything done. And so I started, I wanted to take a vacation. I was going to be gone 30 days. And so I worked like a demon to get everything done before I left. So I had a month's worth of newsletters. I had a month's worth of podcasts. I had everything was done. So when I walked out the door, I didn't have to think about it. And so when I came back, that really has become my new rhythm. And I'm like, okay, this is podcast day and I will edit three episodes and cue them up for the next three weeks. And then I'm free. I don't have to think about that. Yeah. All these different tasks. I can only liken it to the listeners. It's how they describe depression with this black cloud, isn't it? That every Mm -hmm. task 
is a cloud that it, or a balloon. Let's say a balloon. I like that image. I like that. It's it's happier. It is a bit happier, a bit cheerier. That you've got all these different balloons bobbing around above your head, and it's kind of like you're forever just batting one away. There's always one that's just going to go pop, mm-hmm. and you go, not yet, you know, not yet. Mm-hmm. I'll do it later. So of course, it takes that amount of energy to not yet, mm-hmm. then kind of doing it and going, mm-hmm. right, that balloon's parked in there and that balloon's parked over there. It's certainly a way that I've found it very valuable is that time management for those different mm-hmm. tasks and like eat the elephant first mm-hmm. to get back to the fun stuff. Yeah. Yes. Well, and you know, I had someone who had a really interesting suggestion and I tried it and I really like it. She says, go through a couple of days and really pay attention to when do you have a lot of energy? When are you kind of in that doldrum? And then once you understand that, organize your day to maximize that. For me, first thing in the morning, that's my time. That's my productivity. That's my, pro, you know, my really, my good working time. And I was scheduling a lot of interviews. I'm scheduling a lot of meetings. I was doing all sorts of things. So by the time it got to about 11 o'clock, when I start to dip, that's when I had to sit down and do the work. And I went, this isn't working. So I've switched. And I mean, I will do the occasional kind of morning meeting, but mostly that eight to 10 time frame, I kind of block out a lot, like except Fridays. Fridays, I kind of, that that's my, let's have lots of conversation days. But I block out and I really protect that eight to 10. And that's when I do. It may not be, it may be a big thing. It may be a small thing, but it's something that requires focus. And so then I can do the fluff later. But then you find yourself in flow. And I think Mm -hmm. allow that creativity to actually stretch. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. I give myself permission and it's, you know, health and metal, get up from your desk and I go for a walk. Now, that's a whole lot nicer in June than it is in December. True. (laughs) But, but bundle up, little cold air hits the face and you don't have to go far, but just shake the cobwebs out. And because I, when I started paying attention to it, I realized that, you know, just as you're going with the flow, you also start to notice when you hit a wall and sitting at your computer and continuing to look at the screen when you hit a wall is worthless. It's just, you know, I, I've stared at the same graphic for five minutes. It's time to get up. I cannot tell you how blessed I have been to be a dog owner. It's a funny story. It's not the dog that I have now. I'm not quite sure where she is, but Ziggy was at a job that I took. So 2008, it was the crash. Mm -hmm. So I took a little part-time job and I worked for a retired millionaire and they bred dogs and it was fantastic. And this one puppy, Ziggy, would come and sit on my feet, under my desk, wouldn't listen Mm. to anybody else. And she never quite found a home. She was kind of like, you know, the foster kid that just sort of went from home to home around the family and friends and would always end up on office days with me. (laughs) And unfortunately, uh, the guy died quite suddenly and she was gifted to me. Um, His letters. So one day she just turned up 
no bed, no lead, nothing. It was just a, here's, here's your dog. And I was mm-hmm. like over the moon. My husband didn't speak to me properly for about two months. because he <laughs> <laughs> No, seriously. And it was that he didn't want a dog. He didn't want anything tying us down. He didn't want the mess. You know, he wanted to go on holiday. He didn't want to go walk it. You know, we're at work all day. And you know what was the best thing that ever happened? And now I've got her niece. Mm-hmm. They were together for a while until Ziggy was too old. And uh, that's what gets me up in the morning, gets me out in the fresh mm-hmm. air day after day. Because I haven't got a garden that's got grass because it was all landscaped mm-hmm. to make life easy. And it was the best thing to just get up and go. And people say, well, it's raining or it's snowing or, you know doesn't matter we're waterproof actually i love to get out and walk we, we've had dogs we do not have one now now i have cats and they don't need walking but they provide hours of entertainment we had them in the office for years we always had animals in the office it was a little building but it just made everybody happy and so what a wonderful thing that you were able to take one of your office animals home. Yeah. I mean, even some of the clients that I work with locally, when I say to them, oh, well, you know, I don't mind coming into the office, but not for long periods of time because she gets separation anxiety, mm-hmm. obviously. And they're like, oh, bring the dog in. Mm-hmm. So more just become like the office dog on many a client's website. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it, it happened quite by accident. We had the first dog. But there was a period there where everybody in the office had dogs, but it was a small building. And I'm like, okay, guys, we we have to manage the chaos. So they would negotiate. Today was Kylo's day. Today, you know, Howler could come in. Well, Bella and, you know, Roxy get along so they could come in together. And it's it's a different um, dynamic, isn't it? That it brings out in people as well. It does. In people and in, you know, customers. You know, there's nothing like a dog walking over when I'm making a sales pitch and the dog walks over to the customer and lays their head in their lap just as I'm trying to make the sale. How do you say no to me when my dog's got their head in my mouth? <laughs> yeah. Please can't eat dog food forever. Yes. Yeah. I, I need kibbles. <laughs> I certainly think that pets should be encouraged from a young age and anybody that's got an office dog or cat, please do send us some pictures. I'd love to have a look. That would be great, wouldn't it? Absolutely. And a picture of a cute kitten does it every time. Absolutely. I am going to go search some cute kittens and go fill my feed today. No. blueprint for confident conversations over the telephone is here. Take advantage of my 30 years, two recessions and navigating a pandemic to transform your business in my 12-week programme. Together, I will show you my 4R formula where we will frame your solution, sell your story, qualify new clients, follow up inquiries and build your audience all centred through confident conversations. Let's face that fear of rejection together. Grow your business for a much better life. If you're ready to make a start, quote, make my conversations count in an email, send it to wendy at wagassociates.com.
www.thepeopleshow.com. I think we've got to the part of the show where I always ask my guests to reveal that conversation that they remember having that created a turning point. So. Oh, I know exactly the conversation. I hadn't thought about it until you said it. I was working on a very large project when I was still in my corporate days. And we had spent it just this ridiculous amount of money on market research. And we got to the point where we were analyzing the data and we had some clear answers, but we had this gray area in the middle. And I went to my boss and I'm like, we, we need to do more research because we don't, it, it, A, right now, A and B are equal. And he says, we're not doing any more research. I'm like, but I don't have an answer. He says, it doesn't matter. What do you mean it doesn't matter? He says, pick one. I said, but then what? What if I pick the wrong one? He says, you won't. He said, both of those are okay ideas, right? And I said, yeah. He said, a mediocre idea executed flawlessly will outperform a brilliant one executed badly. So pick one and throw everything you've got at it and it will work. And every time I get to a place in my business and I'm about to do something, I remember Eric's words, just the concept that the idea is less important than what you do with it. Very wise man, that Eric. Mm -hmm. He was. He was. And steered you for how long? Well, quite a while. Quite a while. Yes. Yes. It's a great message to pass on as well, because I think so many people get into a place of indecision. And mm-hmm. I was talking about this with Dr. Ivan Meisner only earlier this year. And we were sort of saying that people have gotten frozen by fear mm-hmm. rather than acting through it. And changing that into a, let's take control of it. Yes. And move, but don't toe in the water back out, toe in the water back out. When you make a decision, this is where I'm going. Commit 100% and don't look back. Don't second guess and think, well, if I'd only done this, maybe I could do that. No. You've picked your direction. It's it's like sailing to an island. You get there, you unpack everything. This is going to be your new home. And the last thing you do is you burn the boat. So you can't go back. You this is your new island. Make it work. Something to be said for failing. Mm-hmm. We need mm-hmm. to fail sometimes to learn the lessons because <laughs> it's only by failing that you've got that assessment, you know, to be able to go, well, that worked because of this and this and this, so that you can get all of the key elements together. And it doesn't mean failure. Yes. That's the key point. um, I consider every, every fail, uh, every failing is a learning opportunity. It, it really is, you know, we very, very early on in, in the business, I had a conference that I organized with a friend of mine, and it was a glorious failure. I mean, it just, 
It wasn't what we hoped for. It was expensive. We did everything wrong. And it was years before I licked my wounds and tried it again. But when I licked my wounds and tried it again, everybody said, oh, you know, the first year you do a conference, you're not going to make money on a new concept. And I went, no, (laughs) I've already done that once. We're not going to do that. This time we're going to do something that, and I took all of those lessons and it was exactly what I wanted it to be. And it worked, but it would never have worked if I hadn't had that previous experience. It gives you a sense of inner belief as well, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It can't be as bad as the last time. (laughs) That's all right then. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, you go into it with the belief that I've made that mistake. I'm not going to make that mistake again. I may make others. But I'm not going to make that mistake. And, you know, when you've been around the block a few times, you have a whole lot of that mistake lined up that you're like, okay, I know, don't do that. Don't do that. That worked. Put it over here. That didn't. That didn't. That didn't. That worked. Put it over here. And I think that's something that not only does it come from years of experience, but it comes from that test and measure. Like you say, last month didn't work to this month will. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you just keep adding on to those layers all the while, which is, yeah, great advice, Lorraine. Great advice. <laughs> well, I've absolutely loved chatting with you today, Lorraine. And I know that listeners are likely to want to pick up the conversation with you and mm-hmm. carry it on because that's what we encourage them to do. So, where is the best place for them to find you other than where we will put you on our website and stuff? I love having conversations on LinkedIn. Uh, when you reach out, please tell me that you heard me on Wendy's show because. A strange person out of the blue, I may or may not be, wow, let's have a conversation. But if you start with, hey, I heard you, and then I am definitely going to connect and, and we can have a conversation. And I, I love those conversations. And it's Lorraine Ball. You can always check out the digitaltoolbox.club website, and you can find lots of cool stuff there. But I would say LinkedIn is probably the place where I'm going to have the best conversations. Perfect. Well, I'll see you hanging out on LinkedIn soon then, Lorraine. Absolutely. I will look for you soon. There you have it. Some observations from two conversational queens. Don't forget to drop us some pictures of your pets at work. We'd love to be able to share them through our socials on Insta and Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn, because of course, All of these platforms are part of our digital toolbox. Until next time, where I'm joined by Simon Cardinal, and we're going to be making conversations about being in the trenches count. People need to understand the why of things because that information is so easy to get. And if we don't provide that, the first thing that's going to happen, they'll go to the internet and the first internet hit that comes up, that's going to be the truth. Whether or not it is the truth doesn't matter. Thank you.